0: Welcome to Guest of the Year, I'm the host, my name's Mike. This is the first of four heats of the Tournament of Champions, a series comprised of winners from the show's first 30 episodes. For those who are new to Guest of the Year, I'd recommend starting at the beginning of the tournament, Episode 1, so you can experience all of the amazing contestants and curators. The winner of today's game will progress to the semifinals, a one-on-one matchup, and they will also win a prize pack from Section 119. Section 119 specializes in fish-inspired donut apparel and officially licensed Grateful Dead merch. The name is a reference to designer Bob's favorite section at the Garden to See Fish, where another fan asked him where he bought the donut shirt he actually had made for himself. And that's how Section 119 was born. And now it's a thriving online store with incredible original designs on a variety of high-quality garments. Thank you, Section 119, for putting up the prize back. A link to their site is available in the show notes. Here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants, who are all on a video conference together, can message in their guesses at any time during the clip, or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The finals format is a little different for this tournament. The last two Deadheads standing will hear three tracks, and whoever is closest to the correct years in aggregate wins. We'll meet the Deadheads in a moment, but first, without further ado, the Grateful Dead.
1: I had a run, running from your window I run now But around the corner I run back into a tree I had to move Really had to move That's why if you please I am on my bed and Bertha don't you come around here anymore I went down under the sea Tried to see what's going down I'm between the lines Had a feeling I was falling, falling, falling I turned around to see Back to me. Had-
0: the guests are in. It was Bertha at West High Auditorium in Anchorage, Alaska on June 19th, 1980. Kyle uh, is 47 from Chicago. He was in episode I'm 48. Now. Oh. oh my god. Look at guest of the year. You know,
2: I actually think I celebrated my birthday on my third appearance, but I kept it low key because at my advanced age, <laughs> it's as exciting as it once was.
0: Damn, you, you celebrated your birthday with us. Wow, Kyle. I um, guess the year fixture and you're on to the next round. You um, you won episodes two and three. You're 48 from Chicago and you guessed 1981. Um, that was a weird kind of between period there for Bertha. How would you figure out 81?
2: Uh it was basically just the quality of Jerry's voice. He sounded pretty good. He wasn't totally thrashed out, reminded me of kind of like the Dead Set era. And uh I just went with eighty-one because I something about Brent sounded a little later. But I'm not sure exactly what, but I just thought, yeah, Brent gave it the It was a little later.
0: Awesome, Kyle. You're on to the next round. Joining you is James, who guessed 1982. James won episode 15. He's 32 from Larkspur, California. James, nice pull in the 82. What were you thinking?
3: Jerry's voice brought me lower into the 80s, and then the organ uh, must have fooled me. Yeah, I just kind of thought 82, 83. So mostly Jerry's voice, then? It was so soft. Kind of reminded me of like Dylan on Nashville Skyline.
0: You're on the next round, James. Joining us Jeremy, who guessed 1983. Larry guessed 1985. I'm sorry, Larry. But first, Jeremy, why 83?
4: I was first thinking 82, I guess based on the quality of the record, or like the quality of the drums, I guess, and the recording in general. But then I was thinking a little bit more towards later, uh, because of Brent's vocals like on the on the on the chorus sounded a little rougher than what I would expect from like 80. I, like most of what I what I recall hearing from like 79, 80, Brent, he's, he's got like a pretty clean vocal sound, but they sounded a little scraggly or, a, or, a, or like a little rough, like, like they would end up sounding in the late 80s. And so I went with, with 83.
0: And Jeremy, I forgot to say, is 24 from Palo Alto. and he 25 won now. Ep- As of Everyone's aging. August 1st. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jeremy. And he won episodes 20 and 21. Larry the Grateful Dentist, the legendary Larry. Guess 1985.
5: Those, those, those damn 80s shows. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my initial instinct was 83, which would, I guess, tied me and carried me over. But I, I kind of just inferred like that faster pace and the tempo kind of gave me more of a, and, and obviously I was not correct, but a lot of my listening kind of strays away from those middle 80s eras. I listened to a decent number of shows from the 80s that I was at, but in terms of what I enjoy, mostly all the way through the 70s and mostly late 80s, 88, 89, 90. Um, And those 80s shows are just very, very hard to pin down.
0: So you don't much go in for the Brent era then?
5: No, I love the Brent era. I I think Brent is my favorite player. I just think the 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 consistency of the sounds unless there's like the a particular sound of a show like english town you could put on english town and each of the four of us would know instantaneously it's that recording even if it were only a snippet with no vocals but the 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 sound of them as a band and the sound of them in songs generally pretty consistent to, to my ear so no, I, I saw most the the most shows I saw were in the '80s era, um, but it just it it all kind of all the shows combined they melt into a dream and they all just kind of sound like it, it it's hard to it's hard to distinguish.
0: So you saw a bunch of shows in the '80s. What was your favorite '80s year to attend?
5: My favorite '80s year to attend, I think, it would be a tie between '84. Um, when I graduated from college and did pretty much the entire spring tour East Coast, except for Niagara Falls, um, and 89. Because I had kind of, towards the tail end of the 80s, I I was up over 200 shows already, um, and had kind of become a little disillusioned with it. I kind of felt like the Jerry was beginning to wane and the music was beginning to wane. And then, like something happened in '89 that just clicked, and from '89 through to '90, Brent's passing, and even the following year or so, at the in the early Vince and, and Bruce era, um, they just it was it was better than I expected it was going to be, and they they were just super strong and, and super you know they were bringing back Darkstar and Death Don't Have No Mercy and. You know, adding the weight and all kinds of interesting things that just kind of took on a lot more energy. it became much more musical again and much less social. It was kind of social for me in eighty six and eighty seven and and even a little bit in eighty eight but eighty nine and ninety just really the the music like kind of grabbed me again. I was like, oh yeah, this this is this is what I'm looking for. This is where it's at.
0: And Kyle, was, you're the only one, other one that saw shows in that era. Do you agree with the 89 kind of being the peak there?
2: You know, I have a weird thing because, like, I got turned out of the dead by my cousins, and they had a bunch of bootlegs and primarily shows they had been at. So they had all the, like, Alpines throughout the 80s. But the one that jumped out of me was Poplar Creek 83. It's, like, a very, like, unknown show. People don't, like, talk about it. But they played two nights there, the 27th and 28th. Really fucking good. And then the first set of the first night, they played Cold Rain and Snow. And that was the one when I was like nine or whatever the hell year it was. Something about Cold Rain and Snow. We were listening to it and I was like, I like that song. Play it again. He's like, dude, you like all their songs, man. Let it play. I was like, all right. And it turned out he was correct. I did like it all. There's a really good bird song on there, you know. And then in the second set, it was like a just a truck and other one combo that just blew my fucking mind. I was like, all right, I got to hear more of this stuff. they'd fill me up the little cassette. Uh, suitcase things when I left their house and they'd be like here man and I see you've got a Zappa thing hanging behind you Zappa was another big part of it they'd be sticking Joe's garage in with the dead bootlegs and sending me home and that was my homework and it was like you know I owe them tremendously for that because it really made me the fucked up mess I am today
4: (laughs) what a great zag 83
0: Larry you're a legend on the show we appreciate you coming back anything you want to plug before we go
5: Yeah, so uh, I I would like to take a moment to thank Mike for a a great concept, a a really interesting way of listening to the dead, and congratulations to the other past champions and wishing you guys good luck moving ahead. And uh, I would like to take a moment and plug my band, the American Beauty Band. Uh, We play in the greater New York area. Um, We will be playing at JR's Pub in uh, Ford slash Woodbridge, New Jersey. On Friday, uh, August the 25th, outdoor gig. They make nice uh, wood fired pizza. So it's nice scene. So uh, come on out or you can check us out on our uh, Facebook page, American Beauty Band NJ or www.americanbeautyband.net.
0: Thank you so much, Larry. Larry the Grateful Dentist, everyone. So Jeremy, Kyle, and James are on to the next round, vying for two spots in the Three song series, not best of three series. Let's play the next song. <laughs> All right, the guesses are in. It was Scarlet Begonia's at UCSB, University of Santa Barbara, on May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy four. Jeremy and Kyle both got it. James gets seventy three. We'll, we'll go to Jeremy, the drums expert. I thought I was gonna fool people with, you know, generally a later song with a single drummer, but Jeremy was not fooled. What'd you hear there, Jeremy?
4: Um, reminded me a lot of of like the sound of uh like the Grateful Dead movie, which I've listened to and watched a bunch of times, like. The hi-hats to, to talk about the drums. Uh the hi-hats like the it sound to me it sounds like the high end is like quite boosted on the on the hi-hats. And so that, that's kind of like a seventy-four thing that I associate it with. Um I love I love Bill's drumming on this on this version. Jerry's mic sounds kind of fuzzy. For like there's this it's I don't know what it was like the specific kind of mic they were using, and that was president of the Grateful Dead movie. Also, I think that song debuted in seventy four, if I'm not mistaken, because that's for when... uh from the Mars Hotel came out. So yeah, it was 74.
0: Way to go, Jeremy. Nice pull. Kyle, did you hear s- something similar?
2: Yeah, just the the sound quality of it reminded me of the, the first Grateful Dead movie. I think when they have single drummer, it's like they don't have it like stereo with like Mickey on the left and Billy on the right or whatever like the sound is. It sounds like you're like standing there watching him play. Like you feel like you're more a part of the drumming in the single drummer era which is really kind of why I prefer it because he's restrained in a way with Mickey, it's great for the drums period of it. And, and when it, there's like a powerful freight train, like an other one. And like, they're, they're doing things that require two drummers for the power, but for jazzy shit like that, single drummer is, is way better.
0: Kyle, have you listened to that RFK 73? Oh um, yeah. I mean, it's like a four hour show and Billy just goes nuts.
2: And weirdly opened with a very like somber morning dew, which I had never seen as an opener. And if it had been, they probably would have been more like that 67 morning dew you played in my team episode that was like rocking, way like more upbeat and faster.
0: James, you correctly diagnosed the single drummer, but you're just a year off and in the Tournament of Champions, you know that the margins are that slim. Uh, why yeah. 73?
3: I was a little lost. I was trying to remember when the song debuted. So I'm a little, you know, red in the face about that. Yeah. Total, total disaster, total meltdown. Um, just happy to be here. Um, and I'm going to stick around and listen, but, uh, good job you guys. Best of luck.
0: Great run, James. Great to have you back. Appreciate it. Okay. So Kyle and Jeremy are going on to the finals. Just to refresh everyone. Once again, I'm going to play three songs and we're going to keep score and whoever has the lowest score after three songs. Goes on to the next round of the Tournament of Champions. Obviously, if they're tied, I'll play songs forever. No drums in space in the uh, Tournament of Champions. We're just, we'll just keep playing songs all day. Okay, let's get it going.
1: Coming down those stairs, Coming back her yellow hair, and I ain't gonna be treated this way.
0: So it was cold rain and snow at the Ivar Theater in LA on February 25th, 1966. Kyle got it. Jeremy, one year north at 67. Kyle, you punched in 66 fairly quickly. What what gave it away there?
2: That's just so primitive. You know, it sounds like like a garage band, and you're in the garage. You know, it's like at one point there was some audience sounds. It's there's like three people there. Owsley's probably one of them. By '67, they were a little more advanced, and, and I was li- listening for the P90s that he had in '67, but or in '67 rather. But this is still that Guild Starfire he played that red, the original one. Like, I think he would have been playing that in this era, and it's got a, I don't know how I it, like plunkiness kind of to it. The, it's a different one.
0: People don't really talk about that guitar. Is it not like an especially celebrated guitar of his, or maybe I'm not paying attention
2: you know he just because of the Irwin thing you know those are the ones everybody talks about so him playing les pauls and sgs i mean the live dead era was on an sg i love sgs they're they're beautiful sounding i mean they're so rock and roll but they have a weight balance issue so like playing one as they uh they're, they're neck heavy and oddly so are the alembics the uh symmetrical look of the sg like they're devil horns that aren't uh asymmetrical so you have weight balance issues, which is probably why Jerry ditched that one.
4: So there are weight
0: balance issues and everyone, like the general public and the manufacturer just kind of accepts it as part of the design.
2: Yeah, they're basically neck heavy. So it gets neck dive. You let go of the guitar and it starts to, to sag down. There's a weird feeling to it, especially when you're standing where part of your left hand, in addition to trying to play the chords and the notes, you're trying to like keep it balanced and like upright as opposed to like a Les Paul and a Strat, like weight balance is perfect and the alembics those were very uh symmetrical as well so they had the same problem and if you look at uh jerry's uh tiger it looks to me kind of like an sg i think he liked the look of the sg but it is slightly uh asymmetrical so it gives a little more weight balance
0: good to have kyle around these sort of answers jeremy uh you guessed 67 in the other format you go down one zero but here it just costs you one year still right in the thick of things. Uh, why 67?
4: I think just cause like there's so few recordings available from 66, I was like, oh, statistically it's more likely to be 67. Yeah, 66 definitely, uh, it sounds very, very primitive. And I was thinking maybe it was like early 67. Uh, it was. I thought it was more likely maybe to be early 67 than than 66. Although it was very early 66 as well, like February, wow.
0: Kyle scores zero after one. Jeremy scores one. Let's play song number two.
1: All
0: right, the guesses are in Mexicali Blues at Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia on May 18th, 1977. So Jeremy guessed 1978 and he was closer, Kyle guessed 1979. Jeremy, why '78?
4: Man, that was a tricky one, cause like I was trying to find, hear, listen for the keys, and I like couldn't hear them really at all. But uh, even though like I couldn't hear them, I still like for some reason had the presence of Keith there. Like I could, <laughs> it didn't feel like a like Brent was there for some reason. Like I, I feel like I would have heard him more. I don't know. Also, the like Jerry's guitar tone sounded more like what I've heard in '78. And in the retrospect, I guess now it sounds like kind of. 77 I forget what guitar he's playing there but uh, I just kind of got the vibe that Keith was playing and it still sounded at the tail end of the Keith years even though I couldn't hear him it was strange
0: Kyle did you not hear Keith
2: as well? Honestly 79 was my pick because I was touching my bed I couldn't hear any keyboard I couldn't hear any singing it was like they were both absent and I think you did a good job picking that song because it gave us nothing to sort of work with So I picked 79 because it could have been either, and I figured I'd be, you know, plus or minus a year or two. I think Keith was pretty fucked up at this point, so he was kind of non-present in the shows, and I think that's part of the reason why he got pushed out because he was just kind of like asleep. And it sounded like, yeah, he would have been asleep in 79.
0: All right, so Jeremy has one point. Kyle has two points, and in this game, you want to have as few points as possible, so Jeremy is up by one point. Kyle needs to uh, win this Final third round by at least one point to force a tie, or else Jeremy wins the Section One Nineteen prize pack. All right, let's let's put this on.
1: Leave it, Texas, Fourth day of July. Sun so hot, clouds so low, eagles fill the sky. Detroit, London, and it's in the center stage. Dreaming of Phoenix, Alice in Wonderland, speed the sea to shining steel. Gotta <laughs> go to Tulsa, first train we can ride. Gotta settle But old school Man, tonight, we will keep him from the sun. Ain't no bed can give us rest now. Keep us on the run.
0: right guesses are in it was jack straw at cumberland county civic center in portland maine on march 27th 1986 so jeremy guessed 84 he was closer kyle guessed 80 so jeremy uh finished with a score of three and he goes on to the next round congrats jeremy how'd you guess 84 there
4: um the audio quality like although it did kind of sound similar to the first song from today but it 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 sounded like pretty mid 80s to me kind of staticky and and there's like some like interference and stuff um when jerry's like first started i could tell his voice sounded kind of like pretty high pitched but like getting kind of hoarse compared to how it sounded in the early 80s there's something about his like his lead guitar playing it sounds kind of like thin to me like it's not like a, a very full like I don't know if it's the strings or his like fingers like getting fat or whatever, but it, yeah, it sounded like he was progressing towards, you know, the, the, uh, the, the bottom or the, uh, what do you call it? His, his coma, I guess <laughs> you could say.
0: Well, Jeremy, nice pull, man. You're on to the next round. Kyle, Jeremy said it kind of sounded like 1980, you guessed 1980. So you thought it was, I uh, thought I was trying to pull a fast one on you.
2: It was that keyboard, uh, couple like riffs in there it just reminded me of like the dead set era one of the guys you had on a couple of weeks ago was busting out the keyboard models uh different makes and models of the keyboards which i enjoyed because i don't know those as well i know like the fender roads the hammond b3 like the big ones but he was busting out weird like yamaha stuff that i didn't know but there was just something about that vibe it reminded me of dead set
0: kyle thank you so much for uh making yet another appearance on guest of the year always a pleasure this is uh, number six. I was
2: on one, two, three, and four. Then I was on a team, so that was the fifth. And now uh, one round of this.
0: There'll be more to come.
2: The tournament of failures
0: coming next week. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, yeah, you are coming back, but you have your work cut out for you. You're going up against the winner of King Luke, Steve on a three-peat, Caleb from episode one, Kyle's old battery mate, and uh, Jocelyn. Godspeed.
4: Last time I was on, I was studying in between episodes. I was really trying to prepare. This time, none of that. I've been only listening to Zappa like the past week.
0: Well, now you can listen to Zappa in your brand new Section 119 shirt, Jeremy.
5: I've ordered a couple of the button-down from them. They're very high-quality, manufactured, nice prints, and... I give awesome. them a major two thumbs up. Section 119 is nice. Cool.
0: Section 119 is like a fish reference. And talking about fish, I've been listening to that UIC 94 show that Kyle recommended to me nonstop for the, since June. That yeah, that was the, the show
2: that the June of 94 show is when I really had my mind blown by those guys. I had seen them one time prior in uh, 93. They actually released that one as well. It was the World Music Theater. And it had been originally booked for like a smaller indoor show. And then in the like three month period between booking the show and the show coming along, they uh, upgraded it to a large outdoor venue. The World Music Theater was where Brent's last three shows were. So instead of being 28,000 like packed dead show, there were maybe 3,000 people at the fish show all in the front of the pavilion and the rest of it was empty. So I don't know how many people they were expecting, but it wasn't nearly as crowded as That place could have held, and it was a good show. I listened to it since on on the recording, and I liked it. But at the time, I wasn't moved by it. But then the following year, I randomly stumbled into that UIC show, uh, and just absolutely kicked me in the fucking eyeball. I mean, just just I was like, okay, now I get it. James,
3: is there a succinct way of putting because I'm a non fish listener, and I'm curious. Um, is there an easy way to put like how Trey's playing is influenced by and then, you know goes in a what goes in a different direction than like Jerry is playing?
4: He sounds pretty different from Jerry from I've not listened to fish in a while, but I used to listen to them a ton, and it's kind of he's got his own very much he's to me he's a player like like Jerry Garcia or Neil Young or someone who's very or the Frank Zappa who's instantly recognizable. He's got a very idiosyncratic style. I would say that's just, yeah, I don't know.
5: Uh, I'll I'll chip in, James. What, what I find, and I, I am totally blown away by the musicianship of those four guys. I've seen them live about five or six times. I can totally identify with everybody in the room on the note and in the moment and the crowd is a leave living, breathing organism. It feels like a dead show, but to, to me, I was never really able to connect intellectually enough with the specifics and the, the details of the music to really feel like I knew what was going on. But as far as Trey, Trey is an incredibly tasteful melodic uh fluid uh player with with beautiful tone and and beautiful sense of timing um and i i think to me that's that's where i see the parallel And, and i will say objectively that while jerry is my favorite player of all time he's a cleaner player than jerry in the in the four or five or six fish shows i've seen I I don't think I've seen Trey make like what I would perceive as two or three mistakes as a guitar player. Whereas Jerry could make two or three mistakes in six bars of a song on any given night. And and the the same thing for the whole band. They're they're less sloppy, but they're they're just very crisp and tight. Those guys are some for real players that know what they're doing. And and if if you if you want to look for some. Trey playing to really identify with look up some of the lock and stuff that he's done with Tedeschi trucks, the mad Dog- the mad dogs and Englishmen show that they did. And then the Derek and the dominoes, Layla and other love songs show and listen to him. Cause I-, I think right now for, for my money, pound for pound, I think Derek trucks is the, is the baddest ass motherfucker guitar player on the face of the earth right now. And and Trey Trey stands in with Derek on, on all of those, you know, those songs, those Layla songs, that's Dwayne and Clapton. All right. Those are two pretty heavy kids and, and Derek and Derek and, and Trey going back and forth on that stuff. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing.
3: Thanks for the explanation. I gotta, I gotta listen to all that stuff. Um, What was the date of that 94 show? On the uh, Spotify, it's just called Chicago
2: 94. And it's the June show. And then they played like the night after Thanksgiving. uh, And I was at that one as well. Uh, Really, really good. But the June show was the real like, he even later turned up on the Charlie Rose show talking about that June show being like the pinnacle. And he he goes on the whole thing about when they were playing Divided Sky. And he just got him to like a, like, you could hear a pin drop. And he was I mean, he was not bullshit. I mean, I totally remember that it was like, Freaky because the place was packed. I mean, it was at least like 12,000 people. You know, UIC Pavilion's not that big, but it was packed. And I mean, you could hear a pin drop. And then when they bring the shit back in, I mean, they did like so many killer songs right in a row. You know, the whole set just classic, classic, classic. And it's right, at, I believe it's the night after the famous OJ show where uh, they played in Milwaukee the night before. And that was the night OJ was on the run. And that got incorporated <laughs> in references throughout the show because it was the biggest thing going on in the world that day. Oh, and Kyle, in
5: then. that in that Charlie Rose interview, there's a there's a great snippet of Charlie Rose asking Trey about Jerry.
2: Yeah, yeah, and That's Zappa.
5: Really, yeah, yeah. that really, really it it, it show, shows me that Trey that, you know, he's he's the heir apparent and he he was touched by that yeah. in the audience like any of us who saw him work,
2: You know, Mike, I know your show probably has a lot of like fish crossover, you know, dead fan appeal, but I really want to take this opportunity to tell anybody listening to really do themselves a favor and listen to Frank Zappa. Cause he's the real deal. He's far smaller audience than, than, uh, basically everybody. I mean, the only group with a smaller audience than Zappa is pretty much Ween. you know, in terms of like just mind-blowingly awesome and inexplicably not popular. Zappa's tougher to get into because he's all over the place. He's got albums that are like comedy. It's like Tenacious D, where you're like laughing and you're like, listen to the next one. It's like orchestral stuff, like like straight up classical music. And uh kind of everything in between, a ton of live albums. So he's kind of tough to jump into. So my recommendation is you know, start with the early mothers of invention stuff and then like you know, Joe's Garage, Shake Your Booty, Apostrophe, Overnight Sensation.
5: Hot Rats. Hot Rats, Hot, hot Rats.
2: If I could give one Zappa recommendation to anyone listening, I'd say listen to the uh, Fillmore East '71. It's uh, with Flo and Eddie of the Turtles, uh, Mark, uh, Martin Volman and Howard Kalin. They uh, were contractually obligated to some scumbag in the music industry who wasn't allowing them to use their names. So they played with Zappa under the name Flo and Eddie, and they were two like, I don't even know what you'd call them. I mean, they're like great singers. They're like astonishingly good singers, but they're like ringleaders of this like totally off-the-wall comedic, like theatrical shit. And that was the first album I got into the same aforementioned cousins that turned me out of the dead. They gave me Overnight Sensation and and uh Fillmore East. And they're like one studio, one's live, listen to them both and go from there.
4: Just another band from LA is another album with the same singers. That's my personal favorite of the two, but yeah, those are both great. My exactly. I would have to if I re- could recommend one, it would be Roxy and Elsewhere. That's my favorite. I think that one is is a killer, killer album.
2: Yeah, and there's some there's some YouTube live footage of that show available. Uh, if you just Google Zappa Roxy, it's an all star band. He's got George Duke in it. Uh, a lot of like Ruth Underwood, who's my personal favorite of all Zappa's musicians. And there's like a hundred great musicians he's played with, but Ruth Underwood was always my favorite with the marimbas.
4: Yeah, she's so, the yeah, percussionist you, playing. You know, yeah, she's insane, and um, do, Napoleon Murphy Brock.
5: Do you guys know the Lowell George story? <laughs> I sure do. All right, Jeremy. Lowell, Lowell George was in Zappa's band, and he came to Zappa with a song he had written called "Willen," and and wanted the Mothers to play "Willen," and and Zappa said, "Start your own fucking band, Lowell." <laughs> Did he, I am i can't say I'm
4: actually familiar with Lowell George. Did he? Did Little he, Feet. Little, Little Feet. Oh, okay. Little Feet. <laughs> well, I didn't all right. realize. And, that the... and,
5: if, and if Little Feet and Waiting for Columbus, probably one of the top two or three best live band albums of all time.
2: That was voted most likely to be ordered by Columbia House CD Club <laughs> in the uh, late 80s, early 90s from my social circle. <laughs> Waiting for Columbus is fantastic. yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, fellas. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you rated the podcast five stars. It helps get people's attention as they're scrolling. If there's a bunch of good reviews. I really appreciate everyone listening and supporting the show as always. If uh, you want to check out our YouTube channel, that's available via guesttheyear.net as well as a bunch of other links. And if you want to be contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at guesttheyear.net. Thank you again to section 119. I, uh, I can't thank you enough for all the support and putting up the prize pack. I would really recommend everyone check out their site. They have tons of cool stuff. They have this Terry Cloth Grateful Dead polo that is just so cool. It's wildly comfortable. I'd recommend that one specifically, but there's tons of cool stuff. Thank you again, Section 119. Shout out to Dylan, who draws all of our posters. Oh, we really appreciate it, Dylan. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the Amazing Tapers, whose recording made the show possible. Congratulations to Jeremy for moving on to the semifinals of the Tournament of Champions. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyway. And I bid
1: you good night. Good night. Good night.